Cramping His Style by David Rudd. Daniel's ignition point was on the low side, but that wasn't his only problem. Daniel could feel his desire mounting. The hair on his body were slowly stiffening and worse between his legs. Something else was beginning to uncurl. The image of a periscope breasting the waves came to mind. Desperately, he conjured up algebraic equations, Academy's principle, Boyle's law, but it was no good. His situation would soon become apparent to the whole class. Cramp, he proclaimed, jackknifing to hide his privates and quickly throwing on his robe before heading for the cubicle. There were groans all around. Not again, complained Mr. Watson. He needs more salt in his diet, said Miss Addison. Poor boy, said Miss Trenham. Okay, settle down, said Mr. Doherty. Let's take five. Oh, Miss F. Daniel sighed in the safety of the cubicle. He was referring to Miss Fireborn, one of the few students not to pass comment on his supposed cramps. Daniel had only been a life model for two weeks, with two more to go. He was one of two models. The other, Doris Connolly, was his landlady, the one who had convinced him in the first place that he could do this job. She said it would supplement his grant nicely, helping him keep up with his rent, money for old rope, she called it, and you don't need to do anything that you don't do every day. Just take your clothes off. I mean, you don't need to look like a page three or anything. Look at me. She was, Daniel had already noticed, a large lady. There was a lot to paint. Daniel, on the other hand, was a beanpole. Despite his huge meals, Doris fed him. They formed a striking contrast, as Miss Doherty had already noted. Young, tall, dark. You'll ignite them, he had assured Daniel. He might ignite them, but he hadn't reckoned on being ignited back. It was all right for Doris. She could get as excited as she'd like without a little flagpole parading its colors. The first week had been fine, although he had been highly embarrassed, but he'd taken Doris's advice. Imagine you're getting ready for a nice hot bath. You just strip off and feel yourself being enveloped in caressing bubbles. Of course, all the nine faces of Mr. Doherty's class had been new to him then. Miss Fairborn had been among them, looking as attractive as ever, but she had been dressed a lot more demurely that first week. Sitting there, head in hands, he tried not to think of her, but it was impossible. This was the second unscheduled break he'd called. The first interruption had occurred when he'd become fixated on those legs, so shapely, those rounded muscular calves, slightly tanned. And as he went about her painting, her black skirt, short already, had gradually ridden upwards, showing more and yet more leg. Daniel found himself puzzling at how such a pair of legs could possibly meet at the top. That was the one thing about the life class. Of course, it was always warm, so everyone dressed minimally, apart from Miss Trenham. In her knitted plaid poncho, Daniel had tried to focus on her to calm him down. Miss Trenham also, wearing a homemade turquoise woolen skirt and yellow top with a beret matching her poncho. 
he'd wondered whether her paintings were as bright and as bold as her clothing. Daniel had then turned to Miss Atkinson, whose legs, he was pleased to note, were encased in slacks. Her legs certainly met, but from the knees upward. This image might have calmed him had he had not then caught sight of Miss Fairborn's legs again. She had been crossing them in slow motion. Somehow, her long, straight femurs slid electrically, one across the other. This was when he had first declared that he had a cramp and brought the class to a standstill. The group was sympathetic then, and several remedies had been suggested, including an offer of a massage from a rather disheveled man whose name Daniel didn't know yet, but who he thought always seemed to be paying undue attention to certain parts of his exhibited body. When Daniel had returned, he was pleased to see that Miss Fairborn was displaying less leg, although he had sworn to himself that when he reemerged from his cubicle, he would avoid looking in her direction. He had been trying to think less salacious thoughts, imagining that the situation was reversed, that he was painting them, trying to capture Mr. Watson's bulbous nose in all its prickly hairiness, or to render effectively those long, lanky hairs of his would-be masseur. The later caught his eye and smiled at him. Daniel resisted smiling back. Doris had always impressed this on him. Don't change your expression. You never know who's trying to capture a particular look. Unfortunately, his attempts to reverse their respective roles had been undone when he caught sight of Miss Fairborn leading forward to dip her brush in some flaky white. It was as though time had slowed down for him. He could capture her every move, every gesture, and detail. She had reached across to her palette, her bare arm forming a perfect line that flowed with majestic sweep. He'd been listening carefully to Mr. Doherty. From her shoulder to her sable tip of her paint cloth brush, she dabbed vigorously at the paint like a bird at a worm. Her arm was flecked with gold hairs that formed a contrast with the deeper bronze of her skin. Her strikingly long nails painted an intense red remained completely unblemished despite the way she was agitating the white paint. With a flick of her neck, she tossed her shoulder-length auburn hair back over her shoulders. It was a natural bouncy look and seemed to dance in slow-mo before his eyes. And then, and then, as she carefully lifted the paint swollen brush back across her canvas, the yoke of her white lace top had bagged as she limped forward. Sitting above her on his dais, he couldn't help but look, and there, nestled within the stark whiteness of her bra, her tan breast visibly shifted and swelled. It was then that Daniel had to call the second halt to the evening's proceedings. Sitting in the cubicle, he knew he would not be able to settle again. That image of Miss Fairborn, her legs, her hair, breasts, lips, eyes, mouth, oh, plagued him. He stood up and looked at himself in the mirror, a human watering can. It was no good. He would have to take more drastic action. Five minutes later, Daniel returned, having made sure there was no evidence of his recent self-abuse. 
No telltale redness, no flaky white traces. Attention to appearance was one thing this job certainly taught you. He had very soon realized it really wouldn't do to have fluff in your belly button or a piece of greenery stuck between your teeth. Imagine that, captured across nine canvases. It would be like seeing the Mona Lisa with a smut on her cheek, as Doris had put it. He made his way back to the dais, ten pairs of eyes following him. Cramp better, inquired Mr. Doherty, adding, good, before Daniel even had time to formulate a response. The class did not quick applaud Daniel's return, perhaps for fear that it might bring on yet another cramp, but they certainly looked relieved and attacked their canvases with fresh vigor. Daniel was himself highly relieved when nine o'clock came and he could put his clothes back on. Though the money was welcome, he had not thought that the job would be so demanding. He returned to his digs, prepared for Doris's inevitable quizzing about the evening. She was full of good advice, but he didn't think she'd be much help with his current predicament. Miss Fairburn. Oh, Miss Fairburn. Doris Connolly was actually a distant relative of his mother's, but for Doris's offer of accommodation, he might have bottled out a university. She certainly helped him bring him out of his cell, as she promised his mother. Even getting him to undress in front of strangers, that had never been in his life's plan. He'd also been out with a girl since beginning his engineering course, the daughter of one of Doris's neighbors, and, of course, the whole thing had been orchestrated by Doris. But Miss Fairborn was in a different league. She had filled his mind ever since that second week. His university tutor had already admonished Daniel for spoiling his orthographic projection of a cantilever bridge by adding shapely female curves in the margins. While he was half-dreading the next art class, wondering how he'd cope, Daniel never anticipated that the solution would be taken out of his hands by Miss Furborn herself. She was absent. Daniel was distraught. He gazed forlornly at her empty chair and easel. Several times, Mr. Doherty had asked him to sit up, pointing out that this was a life class, not a taxidermy one. It was no good. Daniel felt lifeless and despondent, and every limb in his body seemed to declare it. That is, until the evening break, when Miss Fairborn appeared. Apologizing for her late arrival, Daniel perked up immediately, as all the class must have noticed. But this, in turn, led to a reoccurrence of his former problems. He avoided looking at her for this very reason. It was enough for him to know that she was there. But this only made his fantasies more vivid. He found himself picturing her dipping her brush into a rich magenta, a color to match her nail varnish, then moving her brush not to her canvas or, indeed, to her nails, but to him in person, gently touching him between the legs, coating the very tip of his... Oh, dear. I see the cramp return, bemoaned Mr. Doherty, watching Daniel hastily retreat to the cubicle. Take five, everyone. Daniel took immediate action this time, abusing himself mercilessly in order to exercise the seductive images that crowded his consciousness. He returned slightly red in the face, 
but nowhere else, he hoped and apologized. You really ought to go see a doctor, said Miss Atkinson. I'm sure it's a diet. But Daniel wasn't listening. Another fantasy preoccupied him that Miss Fairburn, flaunting herself like that, must fancy him. It was classic, wasn't it? A mature woman and a tall, young, dark-haired man, quite well-equipped, or so Doris had saucily suggested to him. By the end of the evening, Daniel's passions were rising again, although he managed to avoid another attack of the cramps. He rushed off and dressed quickly, anxious to intercept Miss Fairborn before she disappeared. It was a Chasson Daniel who attended the final class. Miss Fairborn was also there, although dressed far more decorously. In fact, it was hard to tell that it was the same woman. She had her hair up, severely knotted, exposing her neck. But apart from this, she was almost completely covered, wearing a long sleeve, pale blue blouse, and a long, dark blue skirt with black calf-length boots. That evening, she seemed to paint Daniel without looking at him once. There was a distinct change in the class's mood that night, perhaps because it was their final meeting before the exhibition, about which Mr. Doherty was giving the class instructions on how to present their work, on who would judge it, and the various prizes. And next term, he rounded off, we'll be covering landscape. No problem with cramps then, someone shouted, and the class giggled. Daniel certainly didn't suffer any cramps that evening. He felt quite dejected and a bit of a fool. Last week, he had followed Miss Fairborn out of the class, intercepting her in the car park. He grabbed her by the arm, suggesting that they go for a drink. The severity of her reply had taken him aback. Young man, the art class has finished. Unhand me. At the end of the final class, he was presented with a book, token, much to his embarrassment, as he felt that he had often let the class down. Most of them were off to the pub, but he declined, complaining of a headache. Cramps and headaches, said Miss Atkinson. You need to take yourself in hand, Daniel. Was that a wink she gave me? Daniel had not intended to go to the exhibition, but Doris insisted. She was the star of the show, and nothing would keep her away. Daniel didn't know if he could bear to look at the paintings of himself in the buff, especially as he now felt so disconsolate about the whole experience. He cheered up when he got there, though. The class gave both models a warm welcome. The artist had clearly had a few glasses of wine before the official opening. Daniel recognized himself in a few of the pictures, but the others, he was unidentifiable. Thank God. Then he saw a group of four paintings mounted in a square around a central canvas that was completely blank. The four paintings all featured him, but in each, his pose and expressions were subtly different. The first, entitled Innocence, was certainly that. He recognized the shy, pre-art class Daniel of old. In the second, Desire, he had a slightly different look in his eye, and more open posture, leaning forward, expectant. But this was also subtly different from the third canvas, possibly the most disturbing of the sequence. Obsession, it was entitled. Here his eyes looked distracted, less than human. There was a furtiveness about them, and 
that was reflected in his posture, which looked altogether more aroused and twitchy. Daniel didn't like this at all, partly because it captured his mood so accurately. He turned to the final picture, dejection, which showed a chest and figure, downcast in posture, appearing decidedly older, with eyes that had worldly wise look. Daniel was still trying to get to grips with these canvases when Doris came up. Oh, aren't you the lucky one? There's nothing like this of me. Mr. Darty, who had been talking in the background for a while, now came up with a few other officials and announced that Miss Fairborn's sequence of pictures, which, of course, they were, albeit currently unattributed, had won first prize. A rosette was pinned alongside them. Miss Fairborn was duly applauded, and she thanked everybody, but especially Mr. Doherty. Wonderful, Daniel heard a voice say, especially clever, the way they are framed around that blank canvas, showing the emptiness within. She's really captured him. Obsession is perfect, said another. I always thought he looked shifty. Daniel faded into the background. He felt cheated and humiliated. She had manipulated him all along. After wandering aimlessly around the rest of the exhibition, he made for the door. A hand tugged at his sleeve. Leaving so early, he turned back. It was Miss Fairburn. Or Shirley, as he'd heard her called. Yes, a headache. Congratulations, by the way. Sorry about, you know, his voice petered out. He was back at week one. But you can't go now. There's still the blank canvas to paint. Daniel felt suddenly angry. What's this one going to be? Humiliation? No, silly. Consummation. She touched his arm. Daniel's anger drained away. His body started to tingle. Cramp? Was his automatic response. But then he remembered. He was safely.